Welcome to the pod. Uh, thanks for joining us. Welcome back to another glorious Friday morning episode of The Machine is the Message. And today, uh, we're going to be covering some stuff we talked about last night in person uh, with a bunch of people who love this stuff and get excited about talking about it. And uh, it was just so good. We're, we're here to share part of it again with you. Yeah, so this is uh, this was our first meetup. Uh, it won't be the last. Uh, and we talked about sort of three themes. One is XR, uh, AI, and um, web. Uh, and so that was the intention of the meetup. Stay tuned for more. Uh, and we're just going to go through some of my slides, which were more intro slides, uh, and kind of talk through them like we did last episode um, with the AI uh, archetypes. So the format of the talks was meant to be 20 slides, 20 seconds. Really, we just wanted like a short format um, for people to share uh, their thoughts uh, and, you know, uh, get straight to conversation uh, with the larger group. All right. So, um, the question we asked is sort of like, why are we here? Uh, and with these new technologies, how might we see innovation as an opportunity? Uh, the archetypes we looked at last time, some of them see the opportunities, some of them see them as a threat, um, but really in the creative work of building, we need to see the opportunities and, and act on them. It's not just enough to know them. Uh, and it's really about pushing these three boundaries. So uh, XR is uh, an extension of our presence and our perception. AI is an extension of our thought. And the web is an extension of our connection to each other. And and what, the, what this technology does is it allows us to bridge this impossible. And my talk here is, is focused on tools. So a lot of what we'll look through is uh, the tools that we have at our disposal, but also how the tools are, are changing. And when we have different tools, we can think different thoughts. So like the hope of this podcast is that we give you guys um, some tools. The hopes of the meetups is that we can kind of like talk and work through tools together but that these tools are things that we intentionally shape that allow us to extend our perception, our thought, uh, our connection, um, and that we make new tools for others to build on as well. Uh, so that's just kind of the intro. And then we tip for the, uh, you know, additional Marshall McLuhan references, you know, if, the, if it's not enough to name a podcast uh, after a Marshall McLuhan reference, you got to throw them in a, a few of the slides here and there as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like McLuhan's got a couple things covered. It's definitely talking about the future, media, how we relate to it. Um, but he's also from Toronto, which is um, a big part of the podcast, too. Yep. So this is sort of a framework um, I whipped up last minute. But the thought is that what is the inflection point we're experiencing here? Like, why is this moment special? And I do think that there is this cusp or like threshold of capability and difficulty. So each of these technologies framed of like last year and now, and like, what's the big, what's the big change? And one of them is difficulty has gone down. So the ability to make AI, build XR experiences, or uh, throw something on the web much lower and is getting lower. And then capability is much more powerful. The amount of people that you can reach, uh, the level of immersion that you can deliver, and just the response of, yeah, AI uh, has, has been growing. This is really nice. And so I, I love this diagram. This is, I, I'm like fan grilling out over this. It's so good because it really, really captures, captures the moment of how easy it's getting. 
you know, just think about last earlier this year even you know to be able to do generative images right this is like 365 days ago and this isn't exactly like an end of year episode although that would be cool to do but thinking about it from the perspective of 365 days ago what version of mid journey were we on you know there's no web interface you had to have you know do it all through discord it was like awkward to pay and everything and now there's like multimodal image generation just built into chat gpt which is 20 bucks a month and you can just literally talk to it on your phone and say make me you know a painting of whatever with this thing in this style and bam you get like a really good result like the capability quality is higher than what we would have got from a dedicated image making tool you know a, earlier this year and yeah. so that ease mm -hmm. is so apparent and that capability uh, is also so apparent and this is this is an awesome framework for thinking about that it this completely captures how i feel man you nailed it awesome that's great to hear yeah i mean i think that there you can it's really apparent in ai but i think it's also apparent in, in other stuff um like those other two that i mentioned so we can kind of go through each in, in sections uh the first one to sort of deep dive on is xr so uh this is maybe less about you, last you need year. to rename like so xr i think is something that's so kind of unknown right so like which x stands for so xr is really it's like cross reality um the way that i think about it is uh yeah i do think about it as an extension of perception or presence uh so there's a vr headset you can have and that's going to put you in a certain world that's going to take you somewhere uh there's uh sort of ar experiences you can use with your phone which is going to bring things to your world so that's AR, VR, and then you don't, it doesn't need to be visual. So you can have like audio, like audio is spatial audio, for example, um, is, a, is a type of uh, XR, but it's really extending those, the ability of perception. Uh, and it's about overlaying on this place or bringing you to a new place. Um, thank you for definitions. I do get lost in these things. Apparently, by the way, Steve Mann invented the word XR. So who knows, you know? There's another right. Toronto connection. Um, so yeah, when we look at difficulty capability, used to be that you have to like have a big headset, you have to put sensors around your room, you need a big PC, you gotta put the cord in, like even maybe, I remember those arca arcades you'd have to like rock up to and like just have a giant rig behind you. Um, and now really all you need is a headset when it comes to visuals, like you just don the headset, it's got batteries, it's got connectivity, it's basically its own uh, system. Uh, or you have some glasses, and now, uh, you know, with multiple types of glasses, so there's the X-Real glasses, which have a screen on them, um, and then there's the Meta uh, glasses, Ray-Bans glasses, which allow you to sort of, like, just talk and ask about your world. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, AirPods, spatial audio, uh, we'll see more and more of these AR experiences. So the hardware capabilities uh, are much greater, but also what I'll kind of go through is how easy it is to capture a world and put it into 3D. So those mm -hmm. those are lowering because of things like WebXR. So it's easy to make a, a world as it is to make a web page, uh, and the capture abilities in terms of what AI has done to uh, capturing 3D objects. So yeah, this is this is how, what it used to take, which is like Unreal, Unity. You'd have to crack this open, like get deep into C um, and make a bunch of libraries. But now. Uh, this is an example, uh, the QR code should work, which is, uh, I just 
took 20 seconds of video of my laptop. I just like went around it. And then you have like a fully uh, active, um, I should have put a link in here, but you have a fully active sort of like 3D model that you can pan around. That's nuts. How long did it take you to do that? It took 20 seconds of capture. <laughs> Sorry, that's hilarious. It's like 20 seconds. We're measuring the time it takes to make this stuff in seconds now. It's it's insane. This I will say this upload bar took probably something like 15 minutes. Well, you don't yeah. have to like keep it open, but basically it's going through there and running a bunch of AI, which is then assigning different actual bitmap meshes, like images, to each of these like little points, and it's called Gaussian splatting. So it's it's a really cool technology. It's progressive. So in the same way, you know, JPEGs used to like load in like a kind of mm. progressive way. There's a progressiveness to it, and it runs on a mobile phone. So this is nuts because it's only going to get easier. And this is my point about each of these things is it's only going to get easier. Um, this is React uh, XR. So this is what I use day to day. I find it super helpful. You can basically, like you would code uh, HTML, you can code hand gestures, you can add physics, you can put virtual objects all within a world and you press the play button. There's no app, there's no downloading. It is just a link. Uh, and so this is made possible by devices like the Quest, but also by frameworks like React uh, and uh, these folks, Pomodoros, uh, which made this awesome uh, 3D library. And so you can pull that laptop, for example, and throw it in a web page and you're, and you're good to go. Wild. Absolutely wild. Crazy. So next we're going to talk about AI. Um, AI, as we said, has been through some crazy uh, times in the last year, uh, and it extends our ability to think. I think daily with the assistance of AI. So it used to be that you'd have to train with like 175 billion parameters. I asked OpenGPT how many parameters it has, that's what it is. Um, and you have to scrape source material, have GPU clusters. And now what we see is the GPT store, which is literally an agent you can train uh, as well as like a web API, which you just call and it gives you an answer and you can kind of um, put your vectors in there and, and get it to know what you want it to know. So I'll go through two examples here. So one of them is, uh, this is an example of making an assistant. So what I did is I actually copied the Eventbrite page, put it into this uh, agent's assistant as, along with my speaker notes, and then just said generate agent, and then I now have a GPT about my event. So then I asked it like, why are we here tonight? And we're here to immerse ourselves in technology and artificial intelligence, blah, blah, blah. And so like literally in seconds, I do think it's, it was probably under a minute. Um, I had a running agent um, about my very specific event yesterday. Again, crazy. And from thinking about that from the perspective of like, how long would it take to get a person up to speed on the event, right? Like to have them do the same thing in terms of, okay, you're the person who's going to answer questions and, you know, help people understand why we're here, et cetera. It would take way longer. Like they couldn't read all this and start to answer the questions and they couldn't answer as many questions in parallel um, as you know, a, a, an agent, right? So this is, it seems like kind of like a silly thing, like, oh, why would you really need that agent? Whatever, it's, it's more of a demo in a way. And at the same time, you can see how 
in day-to-day -day use cases where we start to figure out, hey, this would actually be kind of helpful to have someone around who can talk about this. It's like you can spin them up like that. Yeah. Yeah, and there's kind of two pieces missing here for me is one, I can't share this with anybody because the GPT stores note is delayed because of all the drama. Um, and then two, when you use it, you need your own uh, API key. I don't know how they're going to handle that, but like the fact that people need to put their API key in to use my stuff, which you're seeing on a lot of uh, open AI applications, feels a bit roundabout. Very solvable, solvable problems. Um, uh, if these trends continue on, uh, you know, difficulty going down, uh, we don't have anything to worry about. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, God, it will be easier to organize events. I will say, please take that away from me. Please, AI, take my job. Um, I just want to show up. All right. So the second example is Versal. So Versal will release this uh, AI example, essentially. Versal is just like a deployment platform like Google Cloud or Microsoft Azure, um, but they're like smaller, so they can be kind of a bit more nimble and design nice things. So they have this template. You click deploy, you put in your GitHub uh, credentials, you put in your OpenAI credentials, it generates a website for you in your own GitHub repository, and then you have a ChatGPT API you can work with, like off the ground, like no coding involved at all. And all this stuff is basically pretty simple HTML. So uh, another example of going a little bit deeper uh, if you want to have a GitHub repo, but really one click to deploy and get started with AI. So the next area that I'll talk about is the web, uh, the web and connection, really about extension of our connection. And, you know, it used to be that you have to set up a dev server, front-end, back-end, deployment strategy, load balancing. Now you can really use Figma, uh, Framer, and React, and you have yourself a full-on website. Uh, and the websites are nuts. Like I said, you can put XR, 3D stuff in there. Uh, you can have your own CMS. So this is an example of Framer. Uh, this is what I use as a design tool for web stuff. You can look at any of their templates. Just say, use it. You have a responsive website and you hit the publish button and you have like a, not only like a website that looks beautiful, but it's super optimized and you can add all kinds of animations and like each element is in code. This whole website is HTML as well. So it's- What uh, does this mean for the last generation of tools that were trying to make this easier? Like, I don't know, Squarespace and stuff. Is that still gonna be a thing or like, you know, um, What's the other one? Like, there's obviously like Webflow. Webflow yeah. And uh, who's, there's another one. I, I totally XT. forget the name. Yeah, there's, and there's one more too, you know, beyond that. Uh, it's like super popular. I can't remember. Um, yeah, anyway, what, like for these WYSIWYG tools that, you know, previously made this stuff accessible to normal people. Um, so are these more like professional tools, would you say? Or is this something else like what what does this mean for those tools too because i'm thinking about them being like wow guys you're might be in trouble yeah i do think uh you know we were talking last night about um about psd to html which was like a website where you upload like a photoshop file and then you get back an html file and um and that pipeline is going to change i think the people in that pipeline are going to change 
for me, what's great about Framer is like what you see is what you get truly. Like it's not making up like some its own code. Like it's all React. So any element you can kind of code and and get deeper into. I also think um, the closer a designer is to the end product, the more feeling you can get for the material. So like if you publish a website, it's super slow. Like that's important. Like you've got too many animations going on or something. Or you open it up on your mobile phone and it's like the scroll bar is overlapping the content. So for me, these tools, they just make it much closer to get from like what you're working on to seeing how other people will see it. And that loop, super fast. So when it comes down to like the basics of Framer, I find it to be the most accurate representation of what you're going to get at the end, where I've used Webflow and Squarespace, and they're just very like constrained. So this has like the ability of Figma, of like moving stuff around, changing padding, being very specific for the expert kind of design side of things. Um, but it's also like really good code that it spits out. Uh, so I do think it will be still a professional making net new websites, but the cool thing is you can use templates um, and customize them. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds, I would say. Amazing. Um, so to explain a little bit more about how you can go deeper, uh, this is daily.co, which is kind of a video conferencing software. And like literally with this line of code, you can add a video chat to your website. So this is me and Framer, like you doing your, all your GUI stuff, like kind of making nice transitions. We can click on any element, inspect the code. I added in this daily code. So now whenever you load up the page, you can uh, have a web call with whoever else is on the page. So like within seconds, Again, you have a video conferencing software uh, embedded in your website. So, uh, yeah, I guess that th this, this to me resonated in terms of like what I would love this community to help with, which is just building new tools. You know, our age of anxiety is in great part the result of trying to do today's jobs with yesterday's tools. Like that is the fr both the frustration and the motivation for all this uh, boon we're seeing in these these areas is that you you use the tools you realize what you can create and then you make tools to make the next thing easier and so yeah this is our discord you can scan the qr code and join can i add you know, one thing to that which is i i feel like today you know we're we're actually trying to do today's jobs in some cases uh in some cases we're trying to do today's jobs with tomorrow's tools where we don't even really know how to use mm, this stuff yet. And we've yeah. talked about how, like, you know, I think, I feel like oftentimes I'm the bottleneck, right? Because I'm doing the job the way that I know how to do it. And there's this incredible amount of horsepower available. And I'm, available, I'm only able to get a small amount of that traction actually down to the road, right? Um, and it's almost like, you know, we have tomorrow's tools, but we don't have tomorrow's job figured out and tomorrow's workforce and tomorrow's workflows. Uh, in some cases, and I know exactly what you're saying here. I don't disagree with that. I also feel that in some cases, the tools are ahead of us, right? It's still difficult to make some things, but in some cases, we're, we're the bottleneck uh, rather than the tool. Yeah, I think uh, it's challenging when we're talking about these kind of concepts. So an example uh, is probably helpful. My example would be we are texting a super powerful AI. Like we're, te we're texting it and it's sending us texts back. Um, to me, that's yesterday's tools. 
It's like a way that yep. we have figured out to talk to this thing. And I don't know what tomorrow's tools are, but I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it's not texting. I don't know. And even with that limitation there, I still see a bigger bottleneck in most cases where, you know, I'm working where it's like, I don't even know what to text it about. And so like, it's like, I don't even remember to ask, you know, like, or think, oh, well, I could go use this thing for something I didn't used to use that for, or I, I could spin up essentially like a virtual team to do this work rather than, you know, doing it with an actual team, uh, right? It's, so there's that, there's that gap as well. Like there's, there's definitely, like, it's crazy that we're texting it, right? When you say that out loud, it's like, why are we, it, it doesn't sound right to me. You know, text has always been a weird medium, you know, in my opinion, like it was more about creating distance and convenience than it was about efficiency and, uh, uh, breadth or like bandwidth of communication it's very low bandwidth and so why would you talk to you know the most super intelligent being in extreme low bandwidth right like it doesn't seem like you know you're creating a pipeline big enough to get that you know traction down yeah and it's but it's a useful tool and it's like a useful analogy and people know how to do it and it responds really well i mean it's based on text so that makes sense i just think um like as an example, like let's not be digital for a second and think about like bronze. Like there was a point where bronze was like a new thing and people were like, mm -hmm. I don't know how to use bronze. And then like yep. some people were like, oh, you got to melt it at this temperature. You got to pour it in these kind of molds. You're like, you got to do this thing with it. And they figured out how to work with bronze. And then it was like, oh, now there's a bunch of tools to work with bronze. But before that, they were probably just mucking around. Uh, and you can kind of think about that as like any material the only way you get good tools is by using crappy tools to build good tools right, right. that's the only way you get there and so i think we're, we have like just the last year has been tools on tools right yep <laughs> like open ai released their stuff and then like a bunch of tools are now rele relevant because it's actually the core tool is much easier to use um but i do wonder from your experience like when do you feel like you are uh, like if, if you can think about a query or a question, when do you feel like you are not uh, leveraging the AI in a way that you could be? I think it's in existing workflows. So once the conversation starts, like once you start to, once, sorry, once I start to bring AI into the conversation, it's good, right? Like there's definitely, like that's, that part is working pretty well. And like, not great. Like, I don't think it's anywhere near potential yet, but you know, it's working. Okay. It's all the times during the day that I forget to bring it in mm -hmm. or when I'm thinking about how to do something and solve a problem yeah. and I forget that this is available or I don't really know how this could be applied. And I have an existing way of doing that. Right. So like, I'm thinking about, um, even like organizing a bunch of content or finding insights in something like uh, like a whole bunch of like transcripts right in the past using a tool to like you know tag all of those things and then have a conversation around the tags and then try to pull out the insights together versus remembering wait a minute there's a totally different way to do this now we can 
essentially as if I was training an intern to say, hey, look through this transcript and look for people's needs and then reframe things as in the context of I need whatever each time you find a need and then cluster like ones together and put a plus one each time it's there. That's what we're doing when we're doing it in person, you know, as you know, user researchers or, you know, customer discovery interviews, right? Mm -hmm. And the AI could do that. But for me to make that jump, more often than not, I'm not because I'm used to the old way, right? Mm -hmm. And the old way is still kind of working. I don't even know how to do it. Or in creating even new software concepts, it's like the, the classic workflow is the first one that comes to mind because I know it. It's like a groove, like your brain goes there, right? And to actively step outside of the groove to pull in that extra horsepower, I think is where most of the gains are lost each time that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. It's not in the leakage or the lack of bandwidth in my text conversation with AI. It's every time I choose not to have a conversation or forget to have a conversation. There's more loss there. You know what I mean? Yes, I totally know what you mean. And the thing that I think about is forget about AI. How do you know to ask a colleague, right? So you work yeah, on teams exactly. and you collaborate. Like, when do you ask somebody for their opinion? How do they get to a point where they even chime in on a thing that you're working on? Make, like, what is there like a stand up? Like, is there a meeting? Is there an email thread? Like, what is it that helps you know when to bring somebody else in? Yeah, what are those trigger points, right? Of, hey, this isn't my job. Um, is this is this is somebody else's job to do this part and i think that that's insufficient because now your job has this infinite space you know you to, to start to outsource right where before we had to be the creator only and now we're more of the context creator the you know essentially like if if, if before you were michelangelo when he first started out versus your Michelangelo much deeper into his career where he's got 15 people to help, right? right. And, you know, what is that gap? Um, where, when did he start bringing other people in? In part, you know, there, there's a team structure that exists and I know that this is Kevin's role or I know that this is Amon's role or I know that this is Cindy's role, right? Like, you know, these are the things that they do. So I bring them in for that or they have skills that I don't have within the team. But then remembering that there's these thousands of other team members that I don't just need to rely on, you know, that smaller team. I've got these thousands of other team members available to me that are affordable as well. Mm -hmm. And I think thinking of what are the parts of my role every day that I can start to outsource and rather than doing like the content myself, it's creating the context of, well, what really needs to get done here? And how do I explain that to somebody else to help them get it done? And somebody right. being oftentimes a computer now. But it sounds like you do do that today with your colleagues. Do you? Like, how, oh, I, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering literally for you, how do you know, oh, somebody else should chime in on this? Or like, oh, this is going to need to go to this person afterwards. Like, how do you know that? I guess it depends on the context. So sometimes, well, let's think about it. Sometimes you don't know, right? Like you're stuck on a problem. Mm -hmm. And so you need help, right? Uh, go to somebody else. Sometimes you know that this this is finished. It's time for me to hand it to someone else, like throwing a ball, right? Like I yeah. just finished my part. You know, I got to throw the ball into somebody else's court. 
Like I'm at the end of a workflow, right? And so it's the beginning of somebody else's uh, workflow. Sometimes it's at the beginning of a project that you know, you're kicking off and saying, okay, well here, let's get people organized and start doling out tasks uh, to different people uh, you know, in, in that process. Sometimes it's about checking in and seeing, okay, when, where are we on that work that we were managing uh, together? And whose role is it to, to manage, manage that work? I'm sure there's a million other. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, let's let's talk ones. about handoff. Like, you know, you're at the end of your job that you're done. How do you know who this thing has to go to next? I guess, I mean, I'm, if I answer my own questions, like experience, it's like maybe we had a meeting about it. But I'm curious, how do we operate with other people at our jobs today? Like, because I think you're right. I think you're right, which is like we don't know when or how to involve an agent in our work. And, but we do know how to involve a human and it's not just by paying them and being like, Hey, so I got this problem. What's the answer? It's like, you have involved this person and have like a relationship mm -hmm. with this person a history with this person. And that history is like, not only just with that person, it's like with a group of people who all witnessed what you guys said you were going to try to achieve. And and it's not like that's easy either, right? Like we did yeah. a whole book about that, like high impact tools for teams. And it was just to help people get aligned on what the heck they were supposed to be doing in the first place and then create the psychological safety to allow them to feel like, okay, well, we have a shared goal and then we have a shared understanding of how we work here together, right? Like that's all, there's like dozens, like if not hundreds, you know, of books and best practices around just trying to help people do that better. And this is one area where, actually love working with AI more because you can, you, you get more reps of screwing up without hurting anyone's feelings. So you could in, in any case where you ask somebody and I'm gonna, I'm kind of using, I'm just gonna go to a limb and say like somebody means like AI or a person, right? Like I'll say a person or I'll say like an AI or an agent, you know, from now on, but for now, somebody means somebody else, not you, right? Mm -hmm. Like a, another entity or intelligence <laughs> as it were. Um, and each time, you know, I, I sort of go out to them. Um, it's this outsourcing of, geez, I feel like I've lost my train of thought on it already. We were up too late last night. Man. <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, I, I'm lost. I, I lost it, man. I lost. Well, I think. Well, I think it's interesting to think about. Like, I just threw up this graphic for the high impact tools for teams. Yeah, it's like, in another window, I think. It's it's in another window. You can't see it, but um, okay. uh, yeah. What? What? So I don't. I so if I imagine like looping in a couple GPTs in your kickoff meeting, and then looping them into your standup. I think that's going to get you incrementally better. Like, I think another thing that people do is they ask oh. for things, right? So they like say, hey, where's that thing? Or like, I just had this idea. Okay, can we think about this? So I, I think that that would get you there. I don't think that they're going to be a full-fledged team member. But I do wonder what it looks like to apply these high-impact tools for teams or just like typical team structures and processes and include AI as a member of the team. I love that. I love the idea because there's always somebody on the team who has all of the context, right? Or like his following, like where are all the documents and what was said in that meeting 
and you know yeah. who was there and then you know how did we do on that follow-up there's totally space for an agent to do all of that right like to be in all the stand-ups to watch all of the project management to know where all the documents are to remember you know what we agreed on you know at different points in time yeah and rather than being like well i have to ask you know john because john you know was there and john was the one who always remembers this stuff it's like well i just i asked you know it can be john you can call him john john the agent right yeah exactly yeah 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 and i think um it's there is like a, a a habit of including that person there's a context that they can hold and even if i look at the way that i'm using ChatGPT to get today each of my threads is kind of like John, but it's not a good John because it's, it doesn't have a purpose. But I think what we're saying about like, you know, John in the context of this meeting is that like this project is about this thing. And I don't have that in ChatGPT. Like everything is more like a new message thread or a search query yep. rather than like a goal or a team I'm working with. Yes. The idea. So I heard it described this way recently, which really helped me which was we still need to hold the context. We still need to know what needs to get done. And we have an intern or like a graduate of everything. Like they just graduated at the top of their class in everything mm -hmm. and they really want some work to do, mm -hmm. right? And they're so quick and they're so like, you know, I don't know, Asperger's or something that they don't kind of like remember the other thing, um, but they're there for it. When you give them a task, they're like, bam they're on it and then it's like memento like a part of it is just like gone uh or, but i love that idea of like having to hold the context but not having to create the content as much and you've got again this kind of uh agent uh graduate of everything to the point though of like well what if you gave them the job of hold the context for this project, right? Like that's a really interesting thought. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Keep yeah. all these people aligned, keep track of everything everybody talked about. And whenever anybody gets confused, help them figure out what it was. Like that's a great use case. Like I want that tomorrow. Like the team member who's not a team member who has an individual contribution, they're actually more of a manager, like or a manager. project manager. Yeah. They're like, you know, the glue girl, you know what I mean? Have you ever heard like the glue guy or the glue girl, like that mm. person who just holds it together? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And then I think that we, you know, how we came to this is like, when do we ask the AI? And perhaps it's just like, include the AI and they should ask you, right? Like that's the great thing about like a, a, a manager or like a kind of production manager or what have you, is they're going to, manage a timeline and ask you, Hey, how's that thing going? And you're going to check in with them and say, Hey, this is what I'm working on. Um, yeah. And so I do wonder like, what is the interface that we can slip this stuff in as that people will know, uh, and they don't have to kind of change how they think about work today. And perhaps the, uh, tools for teens is a way to think about it. There's a, something I think we're hitting on here too, is there's a whole in the workflow component, there's a whole challenge around just working through communicating what needs to get done, right? Like, you know, Dan Sullivan and the extraordinary impact filter is a way of saying, this is why I think this is important as a project. And this is what success looks like, you know, when we're done. And here's, you know, some of the context. Um, 
And it's a way of just helping teams understand why a project is even getting done in the first place, right? And so communicating context has always been a skill. Like that's, it's not something that's just automatic. We're not naturally good at it. This takes work, right? Like this is, this is hard for people to do. Um, and you know, I'm just looking at my bookshelf. I have so many books that are just around this one part of communication um, in terms of like, you know, management, leadership, um, creating goals, uh, you know, building scoreboards, helping people understand, you know, what is the score? Um, these are all things that are going to potentially become even more relevant. And when working with an AI, you have the chance, you have the ability to screw up and you see how, like, you know, when you delegate something to somebody and then it comes back wrong and then you realize like, wait a minute, we actually didn't, I, I didn't explain what I needed correctly. Mm -hmm. yes. And now you need to tell them, but there's an emotional component in it for them where they're like, you know what, I feel like I kind of just got like reamed out for doing something wrong. <laughs> Even though I didn't do something wrong, you did, but it's a hard conversation because you lost time and maybe there's like an impact on a deadline or, yeah, yeah. you know, there's friction. So you can get a lot of those reps in as far as like learning where I can, I can talk to AI, I can screw up badly. It can come back and say, here it is. And they're like, oh geez, I got that wrong, right? Like you did exactly what I said to do and I have no problem correcting you. And I'm building a rep in learning how to get more clear in terms of what I actually need, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a, you know, what they call those girlfriend training simulators where, you know, guys <laughs> can talk to girls and, and learn how to talk better. Try it, um, yeah. Like manager training simulator, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's helping you it's, uh, create context and help people figure out what needs to get done. Yeah, or like thought formulating simulator so and it, it does feel like that would everybody should should do that is like hey like you asked for this thing they're probably going to go away and do this thing is that the kind of thing that you want them to come back with and like somebody mm. like helping you form a more descriptive and precise definition of what you're talking about yeah that that seems pretty powerful for everybody yeah cool are we um, at the end of your presentation? Do we're you at the end of the presentation. I guess the last uh, kind of bit here is just uh, uh, the best way to predict the future is to invent it. And uh, hopefully that's what we can do as a community um, around XR, AI, web, Toronto, future, all these things. You can snap this uh, QR code um, or I'll, I'll post the Discord in the, in the notes. Uh, yeah, and the best time is, is now and the best place is here. What was when sharing this with the group last night um you know and and you know sold out event people are excited about this stuff what do you feel resonated most about these messages with people where did where did where was their juice where was there like some traction uh, in terms of you know folks nodding their heads and being like i think i get it or i'm excited about this too i it's a good question i'm not sure uh i don't think i like uh, did uh, the level of feedback that I need to do, like maybe do like a survey or just like thoughts in the Discord. Um, I think, yeah, I think to the AI personas, uh, archetypes bit, a lot of different reactions to the future, you know, and there's an uncertainty and there's an unfamiliarity with the, the material um, that we're using here. And I mean, my hope was just like, give some quick push button ways to get started with this stuff. 
um, because I, you know, I'm looking for builders. I'm looking for people who are playing around with stuff and, and seeing how they can push it. Uh, so hopefully what resonated is like, oh, I can get started with this or I'm already started with this um, and we can share learnings. Um, but yeah, we should ask on the Discord. We should. Um, I'll share one thing that I, I learned from uh, someone at the event last night. So we were talking about the archetypes and how people would see different archetypes within them. And they brought up this idea of uh, internal family systems. Do you know what this is? Internal family systems, no. It's a essentially like a therapy methodology, I guess, where the way that we respond to things is a bit of a collage. And I'm, I'm butchering this. So if you're an internal family systems person listening to this, I'm sorry, but you know, I, I haven't done it myself. I know of the methodology. I know the high level idea. Um, so basically, it's it's we respond to things and we have feelings that you know come from a series of different voices. Uh, you know, in our heads that come from a series of different people that were in our lives, right? And these different voices are sometimes conflicting, and that can be, you know, challenging. So, uh, and the, the AI, you know, reaction archetypes from, you know, Donna Doomer to, you know, Evangelist Evan uh, to, you know, Privacy Paula, all these folks, um, people see different parts of them and they hear the voices in themselves. And so rather than it being like, you are one of these, it's like, there's a few of these voices uh, that are coming up in different people. And it's a few different voices, usually maybe a collection. And I thought that was so compelling uh, as just an interesting way of thinking about like how we bootstrap our own thinking and, and these, this idea of the archetypes being archetypes internally being more than one. And, uh, this, you know, I know and Enneagram and, and this concept of archetypes is really interesting for you as well. This, I just thought that was so cool. I, I thought it was a great share uh, from someone afterwards and helped me understand it better. Cause I was trying to think, yeah, which one am I versus like, no, I, some, some days here we're talking doom, right? Like, there's like non-zero chance we invented, you know, the cyber nuke already. And we're all, you know, the walking dead. And there's a non-zero chance, you know, we invented the parent we always needed, who's going to, you know, lead us down the bright, shining yellow brick road into the utopia we've always wanted to get to, uh, but we're incapable of getting there on our own until now. And yeah. so like, I can hold both of those perspectives in my mind and hear both of those voices and both those arguments. Anyway. I think it's, I think that's a very valid thing that we are not one of one mind and that there are multiple minds, um, competing. My push to you there would be, who do you choose to mute and who do you choose to listen to? Mm -hmm. Who's useful, right? Like Who's what, useful? which, which yeah. voice is useful. And this is an internal family systems thing in terms of like, hear the voice, accept, uh, say it's okay. No problem. I'm going to go with this right now. Right. Yeah. And so I think I'm choosing to mute the doomer voice. I'm choosing to mute or at least turn it down almost all the way to zero, like barely a whisper. Um, you know, like even privacy, like I don't think about that as much. Um, the ones that I'm turning up are definitely, you know, creative Kara uh, in terms of, you know, what can I make? You know, next, and how can this you know bring more uh, visions to life? And I think 
techno optimist toby just seeing how like this is going to be awesome and a little bit of hustle uh hustle hannah uh, as well those are the ones that i'm i'm kind of turning up right now yeah i mean me too and i think it's important like i think that like the quotes in these slides are the voices in my head which is <laughs> like the best way to predict the future is to invent it and like as a last kind of share here i'll share this i just saw this today um which is the simple sabotage for software. So there's these, this old uh, like manual, which is like uh, simple sabotage in terms of like, there's you know somebody who's occupying your country and like, how can you uh, protest without seeming like a protester? And so I look at these things and I see this happening. And I don't think that there's like an ill intent here, but I think there is a barrier to doing things that will be net positive um, and people don't realize that, that, that perhaps they are sabotaging the invention of the future. Mm. And so one is insist on doing everything through channels, never permit shortcuts to be taken <laughs> in order to expedite yeah. decision. Make speeches, talk as frequently as possible at lengths, illustrate your points by long anecdotes and personal experience. Never hesitate to make a few patriotic comments. This is World War II. I'm, I'm, ta I'm tagged in this photo, and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> We're here right now. Yeah, all right. So, number three. When possible, refer all matters to committees for further study and consideration. Attempt to make committees as large as possible, never, never less than five. Four. Bring up irrelevant issues as frequently as possible. Uh, five, haggle over precise wording of communications, minutes, and resolutions. Number six, refer back to matters decided upon in the last meeting and attempt to reopen the questions uh, and question the advis advisability of that decision. Number seven, advocate caution, be reasonable, and urge your fellow conferees to be reasonable. Avoid haste, which might result in embarrassing embarrassments or difficulties later on. Eight, and the final one, be worried about the proprietary, propriety of any decision. Raise the question of whether such action, uh, as is contemplated, lies within the jurisdictions of the group or whether it might conflict with the policies of some uh, higher-up uh, echelon. These are old from World War II. This guy goes into, like, if you're a CTO, how do you sabotage, which are kind of like anti-patterns. Um, yeah. Or if you're in product or leadership or hiring, project management. But I just read those and I think, yes, I, I do some of these things. And I, and I listen to that voice and I don't want to hear that voice. I want to suppress that voice. And the voice I want to hear is like, let's build the thing we think is good. Let's answer our worries with something that we build. There's First, this is a shocking list. Um, this is like, you know, terrifying uh, to some extent because you see so much of it in organizations, right? And a, a sort of like equally awesome list that feels like the exact opposite is um, Aiken's Laws of Spacecraft Design, right? You know those ones? What is it? It's A-K-I-N, uh, Aiken's. Uh, uh, with an S, and then Laws of Spacecraft Design. Cool. So Google that. Yeah. I'll find an image, probably. Oh, you can't see it, but I'm sharing it right now. Um, let me just share this tab. There you go. 
And this is a bunch of like appropriate patterns that you see, you know, when stuff gets built and it does a good job. Um, it's it. There's some things in here that are obviously like, you know, more engineering driven, mm -hmm. but they're general. Like, look at this. This is exactly the opposite. Not having all the information you need is never a satisfactory excuse for not starting the analysis, right? Exactly the opposite mentality, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, distrust assertions that the optimum uh, is the optimum is almost always in the middle somewhere. Distrust assertions that the optimum is at an extreme point. It's like yes, it's okay, right? Like you don't find it; it's in the middle. We don't have to worry about these extremes often. Uh, it's not a thing. Sometimes the fastest way to get to the end is to throw everything out and just start over. Um, that one sounds like a, a bit of an anti-pattern, but it's not. You know, better is the enemy uh, of good. You just, just get it out the door. You know, move fast and break things, as it was, you know, coined many years ago. Uh, sums up a, a lot of these attitudes. I think there's about 23 um, in these laws of spacecraft design and how they apply to building almost anything. And uh, maybe that's a good place to leave it in terms of exciting uh, ways of thinking about building, building our future, how not to do it, how to do it. I Be love a these. I have Be never seen this. Yeah, this is awesome. I am going to print this and put this on my wall. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Um, the ability to improve design occurs primarily at the interfaces. This is also the prime location for screwing it up. <sighs> we were just talking about that earlier today. Yes. Right? Like the, the These are our tools. Texting the super, super boomer. Cool. Well, this has been a good uh, Friday boost. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Check out the Discord. It'll be posted, and we will definitely post these laws. Thanks for joining, everyone. Join us next time on another McLuhan-inspired... <laughs> uh, machine is the message. All right. Talk soon. All right. Bye now.